We're getting our facts from the A team? Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Hey, did you ever see that movie? I'm your host, Des, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Lynn. Zoology, bitch! Even funnier the second time. And joining the show today, the podcaster, with a fully packed bong, Pat. Oh my god, this thing is crazy! <laughs> today, we will be discussing the 2017 adventure comedy, Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle, baby. Written by Chris McKenna, Eric Summers, Scott Rosenberg, starring The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and Kevin Hart. As always, this podcast will contain spoilers, so if you haven't seen it, go watch the movie, and then come back and listen to the podcast. But before we get into it, let's run the trailer. something you got to check this out he plays board games anymore yo what's this jumanji pick a character and you're that person in the game bethany you in then i'll spend my life staring at a tv screen <sighs> fine <laughs> oh my god where's my hair Where's the rest of me? Oh my god, we're in different people's bodies! Bethany, don't look at it! No! I'm an overweight middle-aged man. Wait a second, where's my phone? Don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. I think we've become the avatars we chose. Welcome to Jumanji! This is a video game, which means we each have three lives. Come on, let's go. I'm Alex. Watch your step in here. So gnarly. We can help each other. We all have special skills. Weakness, none. I hate this game. Everybody else got good stuff. Weakness, cake. Yes, cake is my weakness. You're all good weapons, valet. What is that? I think it means you carry my weapons and give them to me when I tell you to. Don't let this new body get your butt whooped. We have to work together. Oh! I think it's a staring contest. Who's good at staring and not blinking? I'm amazing at it. I like Kent even with this place. Back. Hell no! I'll carry you. Come on. I would rather die. Get on my back. Nope, I'm going down. Let me go. Jesus, <sighs> pound cake. Cake? Isn't that your weakness? Something happening to me? Am I? Am I shaking? Am I still black? Yes. Okay, we're fine. Everything is fine. It's all good. Okay. Uh. Reading over that intro, uh, I fear I may have been having a stroke. Because, uh, <laughs> it's, it's words in front of where they should be and behind where they should be. It is, it's, it's concerning. Okay. So and now you. it is time for Des's five and one fun and one fake facts, where I will give you four real facts and one false fact. And oh, it will be no. up to my two co-hosts to decide which fact. It's total bullshit. Okay. Fact number one. Are you guys ready? Yes. Okay. okay. Fact number one. <laughs> I'm not any more excited. <laughs> Take a sip of your coffee. <sighs> Eat me. Okay. Tom Holland was originally cast for the role of Seaplane McDonough, but had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts with Spider-Man. Number two, when The Rock was just 16 years old, he was six foot four, 245 pounds. Number three, 
Tom Hanks was considered for the role of Alan Parrish in the original Juhambi. But was beaten out by Robin Williams. Fact number four. When the fridge says to Alex, Cindy Crawford, she's like 50 years old. Cindy Crawford was actually only 40 years old at the time of shooting. She thought the joke was funny and later said she had no problem with the joke being in the film. Number five, the director, Jake Kasdan's father, wrote the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, Pat, which of the five facts do you think is total bullshit? Is there an all of the above? No. No, oh, damn. That was always my go-to. Well, Tony tried to say all of the above were true in his uh, guess on Airheads, and he was wrong. So you would have been wrong. One of I'm these gonna, is. I'm going to go with the one with uh, Tom Holland. Okay. And Delin, which of the five facts do you think is total bullshit? I'm going to say the one about uh, the rock's height and weight. Once again, I have stumped the panel. You are both incorrect. The fake fact is Cindy Crawford was actually 50 years old. Okay. (laughs) Are you proud of yourself now? I am. That's two weeks in a row. I've stumped the panel. That scares me. Okay. with (laughs) With a budget of $150 million. And a box office gross of $995 million, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, is considered a huge success. Delin, please give us a synopsis. Four teens in detention find themselves sucked into a video game of Jumanji where they're actually inhabiting the bodies of the characters. They must lift the curse on Jumanji if they want to return home before they run out of lives. All right. Um, let me start off by saying this movie paralleled the breakfast club very closely now i noticed this right away we've got the jock we've got the geek we've got the kind of shy strange mousy emo girl we've got the prissy princess and we've got john bender the metalhead so yeah this is the breakfast club uh I remember this movie being a little funnier the first time I saw it, and I also didn't remember it being a robust two hours. This movie would have greatly benefited from a 90, 80-minute runtime right around there. The last half hour was fucking brutal. I think you were just in a rush to get it done. Yeah, I do too, because I enjoyed (laughs) this movie completely. I think you're all fucked in the head. We're three hours from the fucking fun park and you want to bail out. Okay, let's do this thing. <laughs> oh, God. Clark, please go away. <laughs> <laughs> Whistling zippity doo dah out of asses. Okay. Uh, that was what? that was pathetic. You'll be having so much fun, you'll be whistling zippity doo dah out of your assholes. Yeah. Uh, while we're talking about Chevy Chase movies, Pat, uh-huh. did you notice that Alan Stanwyck made an appearance in this movie? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> I was glad I to see him. him. I noticed him right away. <laughs> uh, I was used to the gray hair because uh, he did a few episodes on the series Burn Notice. <laughs> Pat is like the captain of watching fucking bullshit fucking series shows. Every podcast, he's like, this guy was like the fucking mailman on this series I watched fucking <laughs> nobody ever saw. <laughs> okay, let's get your into point. This. I have I have no point, <laughs> and that's continue pointless. <laughs> okay, shocking. All right, so it's 1996, and a man is jogging on the beach, and he finds a box. It's the Jumanji game. He brings it home and gives it to his son, who thinks board games are stupid, and tosses it tosses it aside. He instead plays with his video game system. That night, when the boy is asleep, the game adjusts itself and turns itself into a video game cartridge. The boy wakes after hearing jungle music coming from the box, opens it, and puts the game into the system. From outside, we see a flash of green light. Many years later, Spencer, played by Alex Wolf, is playing Street Fighter. Fridge, played by Sedarius Blaine, is texting him and telling him he'll meet him in 20 minutes at the Freak House. He jumps up to finish a paper, and after a liberal dose of antibacterial gel, 
gets ready to leave. Fridge tells his mom he's getting tutored by Spence so that he doesn't lose a spot on the team. As Spencer approaches the freak house, it's apparent the house is uh, the house is the same house from years earlier where the young man had put in the Jumanji cassette, but it's run down and creepy. Spencer is obviously a jumpy lad, saying the house makes him uncomfortable. He gives Fridge the paper, and it's apparent that he's not tutoring him. He's actually writing his papers for him completely. They were friends when they were kids, but now they're in high school. Not so much. Fridge takes off with a girl, and Spencer gets scared by an old man that appears from the house. So, Pat, I actually really liked how they show the passage of time in a very quick manner by showing a PS1 generation type game and then showing like Street Fighter. So you you understood like how much time has passed very quickly. Well, what's funny is, is I saw the video game system and I really never saw the original um, PlayStation, the first one. Oh, really? I only I only remember having the second one. Um because I think at the time I was playing with the new Sega Dreamcast. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah, that. This, Dreamcast yeah, that was, was awesome. Yeah, that, awesome. I think that was the first disc uh, video game. But I love As opposed the to a cartridge. Right, exactly. Um, but when I saw the game deck, I couldn't wait to ask because I know you're a gamer and you probably have been since you were six. Um <laughs> What what kind of system it was, because I didn't recognize it at all. I think it's supposed to look kind of like, uh, it's not a PS1, because PS1 did not have a cartridge. PS1 was discs. Correct. Right. So it has to be something that had a cartridge. Like, it, it makes me think like an old Atari is what it Atari looks like. Jaguar. Atari Jaguar. Yeah, that's what well, it looks the, like. But the, the controller definitely looked like a Nintendo controller from the old system. Yeah. Yeah, this I think it was a, a mashup. Machine. Yeah, it was a mashup. That's why I think at some point Fridge says when they're looking at the machine, he goes, what is this, like an old PlayStation? And Spencer's like, no, I don't think so. And Spencer is obviously like a gaming nerd, and he didn't right. know what it was either. So I think it's kind right. of a mashup because it's almost like it was designed just to play the Jumanji tape, you know? Right, right. And I'm sure that nobody wanted to pay any game system, any royalties for using their name. Although you will have to uh, notice that in Spencer's bedroom, there is a Drake's Uncharted 4 poster on the wall. So, you know, they definitely threw some real stuff in there. And I mean, there was Metallica posters up in the kids' bedroom and stuff. But I think you maybe get a little bit of leeway with stuff like that in movies as opposed to if they use the actual actual system. Right. And and I'm – go ahead. I was going to say, what's funny about this too, about how it's dated (laughs) is so – you see the jump between the original game and then the, the game that um, Spencer's playing, you know, and you're like, wow. But then you look at that compared to what the kids are playing today. Right. And it's like, that shit looks like Atari now. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, the new does. Resident Evil 4 remake. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. I mean, granted, I've only played the demo because that's all that's out so far. But it's it's stupid. It looks like yeah, watching right. television. I'm still stuck in the PS4 because I'm not affording a PS5 anytime soon. <laughs> and then you and then you you factor in the Oculus, like you know, which is, I mean, you can literally map out your backyard so you can walk around outside and not bump into things. I mean, this thing is so cutting edge; like the technology is definitely there. Uh, fun fact on the PS1: back in the day when it came out, uh, maybe it was PS2. Dylan wanted a PS2, so being the gentleman I am. I sold a black Gibson Les Paul custom to buy her that PS2 that she wanted. And now I look back, that black Gibson Les Paul custom would probably be worth somewhere around. I mean, this this thing was like, I was pretty old. So probably worth around, I don't know, maybe $2,500, $3,000. And that PS2 now is worth about two bucks. <laughs> okay, but tell them the rest of the story. You go ahead and tell them the rest of the story. The rest of the story is when I got I'll hurt. Tell the I rest broke... of the story. Okay. <laughs> well, then tell <laughs> the story. <laughs> tell it already, damn it. Delyn got hurt, and she did make up for that. As she bought me my dream guitar, it was a 1974 Gibson Custom Black Beauty. It has the, uh, it's the same one that um, Randy Rhodes played, but it's uh, black and it's fucking unbelievable. And she found it at a vintage guitar shop in uh, Long Beach, California. So yes, it, uh, it makes that other one I sold look like a hunk of shit, you know, which it wasn't, but this guitar is, whew, 
Yeah, let's just say I made up for it because he hit, he mentions it every ne- so often. You remember that I sold my guitar to buy you a PS2? <laughs> so, also, also sorry. when De- when Delin was laying on the uh, gurney late at night in the hospital, and I already gone home after being with her all morning. She was laying in the gurney at night, and I drove back to Plymouth from my home. Good half hour, 40 minute drive, 10 o'clock at night. And there I was like Richard Gere walking through the halls and she was laying on the bed and I was above her like an angel, really. Oh my God. Go, please stop. It's it's so bad. It's so bad. I'm begging you, please stop. It's so bad. As I walked through the halls, you could hear the song. God lift us up where we belong. Oh my God, make it stop. And Delyn saw me and she was like, I'm here. And I was like, that's right, I'm here. You're okay, you're safe now. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Please. Wow. I'm begging wow. you, please. We can Who cut that one for you, time. Though? Who was you there are. for you, though? You are. Okay. All right, let's go. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> you only know the half of it. Anyway, I'm so sure Bethany. I do. Bethany, played by Madison Eisenman, is a typical popular girl. She's a vapid blonde. Uh, She is taking on, I'm sorry, talking on the phone in class, and she ends up getting detention. In gym class, Martha, a smart girl, played by Morgan Turner, complains about gym class being pointless. And girl, same, I agree. But she gets detention. Spencer and Fridge also get pulled into the principal's office. They've figured out that Spencer is writing all of Fridge's papers, and they both get detention. They're told to pull staples out of every magazine in two giant bins bound for recycling. And if they don't finish, they have to come back tomorrow on Saturday. Unsurprisingly, Fridge and Bethany don't help. Fridge finds an old gaming console and they plug it into an old tube TV. They all pick characters from the game and press start. The drums begin. And even though they unplug the game, they all get sucked into it. So, Des, how many times did you get detention? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, they didn't, put me in, they didn't put me in detention because they didn't want me there. Uh <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they just kicked you out tomorrow. I didn't go to school a lot. I mean, I think I, told this. I didn't go to school a lot. I didn't go to I'm school. I'm shocked. So, so I started off in a junior high, regular junior high, where all the other kids went, right? And I was such a fucking bad kid. They ended up putting me in what was called the Reach. Okay, so the Reach was a little greenhouse, literally a little greenhouse, and there was probably ten students, and they were all like, really really bad kids okay and oh, this fit right in well no i didn't because i wasn't tough enough to hang with this group of children um <laughs> and yeah i got i got i got it pretty good there and after you know after some some pretty harsh beatings they decided that i just was not quite the caliber of bad guy that some of the other kids were at this school and i was i had to be taken out of the little fish tank before i was killed um I will recall one day uh, the teacher was driving us home in his car, a few of us, and I lived in an apartment complex. So he had said it had been snowing out and we were playing, um, playing some game outside in the snow, some sort of like killed, killed the other kid game that you only play in schools like this. And I got a rip in my pants. So these fucking, they had to lock me in an office until school was over. So these vultures wouldn't tear my pants off. So they drive us to the, to the top of the complex where I'm living. And the teacher says, all right, see you later, you know, hop out. So I get out and these vultures get out of the car and tear my pants off. And I had to run from the top of the entrance of Queen Anne's gate all the way to my apartment, which was easily three, uh, half a mile, maybe a, a little less than a half a mile from the top of the entrance all the way to my place in my underwear. Oh, that's just sad. Okay. <laughs> we are transported to a jungle and Spencer is now being played by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He has become the video game character, Dr. Smolder Bravestone. Three more bodies join him from the sky. Fridge is now Mouse Finbar, a zoology expert. Martha is now Ruby Roundhouse, killer of men. And Bethany is now Shelly Oberon, although Shelly stands for Sheldon. Uh, they are all freaking out about their apparent abduction into the video game when Bethany is eaten by a hippo. Moments later, she falls out of the sky again. The gang is chased by hippos and saved by a jeep pulling up, driven by Nigel, played by Reese Darby. 
He welcomes them to Jumanji. Everything he says is an answer to their questions is obviously a canned NPC response. Nigel reveals there's a curse threatening Jumanji and they've been sent to help. There's a cut um, scene where Nigel, what? I have to just say that after I told my story of um, junior high horror, we didn't talk about the scene. Yeah, I noticed that too. Okay, well, all right. We'll add it to this. Okay. Can I continue? <laughs> By all means. <laughs> There's a cut scene where Nigel explains that a man named Van Pelt removed a sacred jewel from the Jaguar shrine and was consumed by darkness. He now controls all of Jumanji's creatures. Nigel steals the jewel away from him, and Van Pelt demands that the jewel be returned to him and to slaughter anyone that tries to stop him. Nigel then hands the jewel up to Spencer. So the I end. don't know about you guys. The end. I don't know about you guys, but I could watch Bethany get eaten by a hippo all day long. Oh, Pat, awesome. what's your rewatch score? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God, go ahead, You Pat. need to settle it down. All right, first let's let's go back to uh, the detention and their magazines. And mm -hmm. did you notice up until uh, Bethany got sucked into the game? I don't think there was a single scene she didn't have a phone in her hand. Oh, yeah. I think that's a, the point of Bethany. Every scene. Right. Exactly. So it's like right off the bat, I don't like Bethany. She's self-absorbed. She's a narcissist and thinks she's worth everyone seeing. Just like every other social media twit. What I thought was strange wasn't that she had a phone in her hand every scene. What I thought was strange was that the other kids didn't have their phones in their hand every scene because fucking everybody is staring at their fucking phone 24-7. I'm on the highway going 80 miles an hour and fucking people are driving by me with their fucking phones up in front of their faces passing me. Zoom, zoom. Yeah. Don't let me get started on the fucking, the way people drive now. It's the Wild West out there. Well, we're trying not to, but you won't shut up. Okay. I mean, legitimately, I, that is, that, that's like the 18th time I've heard that rant in the past month. I'm not surprised. <laughs> but but what I want to make, uh, I didn't pick up on the Breakfast Club uh, uh, comparison until you had brought it up. All I saw was another movie that had um, the jock, the nerd, um, the slut, and the brain. There was no slut. No. No, Bethany's not a slut. Right. It says she says the first time she ever sees the dick is when she takes it out to pee. When she's Jack Black, she's not a slut. She's okay, just a narcissist. She's just a narcissist. Okay, maybe that was the wrong word. Perhaps I just like using that too often. Yeah, you yes. could just say vapid. Okay, that works better. You vapid said that airhead. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought it was. I didn't. I, again, I just wanted to say kudos on the Breakfast Club comparison because I never picked up on that. But as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, son of a bitch. Well, I actually read that, that the director, I think, um, noticed the comparison right away when he was uh, reading the script. And I would have picked up on it anyway, because it was very obvious. And The Breakfast Club is one of my favorite movies of all times. One I'd like to revisit to see if it stands up. But yes, I would have picked that out. Um, it's funny because the girl, um, Martha, right? She. Yes. Yeah, she, in the beginning of the movie when it starts, I, I can't stand this fucking character when she's taking the pictures of herself. Oh, just no, that's Bethany. Up. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, Bethany. Bethany just woke up, no filter. That's why I didn't like her. Oh, God, it, it was fucking brutal. But as soon as she became Jack Black, I loved her. Oh, that was awesome. I think, and, I, and since we're there, I've got to say, Jack Black's character, the way he portrayed her as a woman, Trapped in his body was absolutely mm. brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant. oh absolutely. It was brilliant. His, absolutely. His facial expressions, his movements, the way he spoke, the things he said. I was like, holy shit, he is pulling this off so good. I 100% yeah. believed it. Yeah. Oh, and absolutely. The, no question. The, the Rock was uh, jealous. He wanted the part of Bethany. So, yeah, everybody was excited. You know, I, it was funny because we just did um, – Central Intelligence, and oh man, I was so impressed with the chemistry that The Rock and Kevin Hart had in that movie, and I laughed throughout that entire movie. I found I did not laugh a lot during this movie. I did have a couple of good laughs, but yes. their chemistry was not there. Not like it, it was. It wasn't yeah. the same kind of writing. Um, 
I and thought... there are also these these characters are more at odds, I'd say, than they were in Central Intelligence. Well, I don't know you if know? I would say that. I mean, yeah, uh, but Kevin... each one of them, each one of them, and is there the character they picked just happens to be the exact opposite of the actual person, right? Right, and and that that alone made each character more contained to themselves. There wasn't a lot of playing off of each other because none of them knew what the hell was going on. True. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I didn't think that Kevin Hart and the rock had the chemistry in this movie, like they did in central intelligence. And I mean, Kevin Hart was extremely weary of, you know, Bob Deerdick in that movie. So it wasn't like they were best friends. I mean, through most of the movie, he was trying to get away from them. So it's just, I just don't think they were there yet when they did this movie. It just wasn't there yet. I did Bob notice. Deerdick. <laughs> Bob Deerdick. Nice. That's he never gets name. a name right. Is that like, she, is that like Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> Shia, Shia LaBeouf. Oh, oh God. God. I, I do, now, I do want to say, I don't, I have not seen a lot of Kevin Hart movies. Recently, two. And I, is it normal? Because it seems like he plays the unwilling participant, angry character really well. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Hart plays Kevin Hart in everything. He's one of those guys. Like, I don't know if he has another gear. I don't know if he could play a drama role. I don't know if he's a good actor. I just but, know that he does that. Right, because the two roles I've seen him in, he's both angry and an unwilling participant. Right. I mean, yeah. right up to the right up to the end. Um, Mouse was hysterical when they're making their, well, I don't want to jump ahead, but yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah. I did you guys, make, I just wanted to point those things out. Did you guys notice on the beach when the kid finds the Jumanji box in the sand? Did you see the two people jogging? Yeah. What was up with them? I mean, were they, were they little people? Were they, uh, I don't know what they were. They were bizarre looking, not that little people are bizarre looking. Cause they're not like, that's <laughs> not, that's, that's that's not what I'm saying. That's what not what I'm saying. What is wrong with you? Listen, that's not what I'm saying. I have not, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I thought they were just in the distance. You no. Yes, so did no. I. No, no, they looked, they looked weird. <laughs> they did not. There's something going on with those two. Get help. I think so. Okay. Get help. All right. Okay. Get so, help. <laughs> I'm trying to. Insurance doesn't cover it. That's sad. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, let's, do you guys, okay, let's did you guys on. get a good kick out of Bethany getting eaten by the hippo? Because that was like a legitimate laugh out loud for me. I enjoyed that very much. The funny thing was, is you don't really see it until just when the top of the mouth comes out of the out of the water, and everybody's reaction right before she got eaten was just shock and awe. Yeah, I also I also love the uh, the scene in the gym where the girl is saying, you know, I'm not trying to be something like a a gym teacher or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, uh, shout out to the gym teacher too. That was Missy Pyle, who's hilarious in everything she does. Yeah, we've we've seen very, her in a couple of movies. Yeah, very small part for her, but you know, she was in Galaxy Quest. She's in Dodgeball. She's hilarious. Oh my yeah, god, she, that's right. She was in Galaxy. She's Quest. in Mars yeah, Attacks. That's her. Yep. She's yeah, she's amazing. I knew the face. I knew the face looked familiar. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. I, like I love her. She's Every time I see her in something, I love her. Uh, I'm almost to the point with the people running around. Hold on. I'm interested to see what you think. They they look uh, compressed. <laughs> okay, I'm no, there. I've, Hold on. I've actually had the movie running the whole time this has been started. And I'm going to restart the program. And I'm going to no, bring honey, up No, they're that... just in the distance. I hate to tell you. Dumb. I don't think so, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Fun fact, Delyn is very frugal. Uh, she had to do the script this week. And I, I would like to know if you guys are feeling like a, a real um, upgrade in the script this week from last week when I wrote it. Because I'm not. But um, so. At this punctuation. So, so she watched, uh-huh. she opted to watch this movie for free on Hulu with commercials. All right. 
So I started today. I'm like, oh, fuck it. I mean, we'll save some money. I'll, I started. I got like two commercials that I'm like, fuck this. I got to see how much this thing costs on Amazon Prime to watch commercial free, like a gentleman, like a real movie reviewer, which I'm not. $1.74. She watched it with commercials to save $1.74. <laughs> no, no, no. Disclaimer. I never even looked at what it would cost because I saw it for free on Hulu and I said, oh, it's for free. And I just watched it because it really wasn't that big a deal to watch like five minutes worth of commercials during the it entire wasn't thing. Five, it was five minutes of commercials every 15 minutes. I would have paid no, $8. I would have paid $8 to watch this without the commercials. Yeah, well, whatever. You waste money. Yes, yeah, I do. Uh, he does. Okay, let's get back to the movie. <laughs> All right, back to the movie. Okay, let's hang see. on, hang on, hang on. I am nope. at the scene at the beach. Okay. Now I'm looking at the numbers 1996. All yep. right. Good year. Good year. I'm going to play forward. And the people running down the beach are getting further and further and further <laughs> away. With, with their short to be, little bodies. They have got to be easily 100 yards away. By the time he gets into the frame to pick up the box. With their short, fat little bodies. Oh, no, honey, sorry. Such a dumbass. Okay, let's you're, keep going. Very judgmental. Moving on. <laughs> now our heroes know what they have to do. Return the jewel if they want to go home. They figure out whatever strengths and weaknesses are before being beset by a gang on dirt bikes. After some use of their newfound skills, they get away from the gang by jumping off a cliff into water. Martha realizes she's been shot and she dies only to reappear moments later. They come to the conclusion that the tattoos on their arms reflects how many lives they have left. Martha and Bethany are already down one. After a funny moment where the boys teach Bethany how to pee with the boy equipment, we realize that Van Pelt was behind the motorcycle gang. Spencer and Fridge have an argument and Fridge pushes Spencer off the edge, making him lose a life. Des, did you enjoy the dirt bikes? No. So, <laughs> so this motorcycle gang reminded me a lot of the motorcycle gang in Weird Science. Like, oh, God, no, I didn't enjoy it. I mean, I like dirt bikes. You know that. I mean, obviously, but no, I didn't enjoy it. I thought you would have said something like Mad Max. Well, those, the gang in Weird Science, not all the fun fact, not only are they modeled after the bike gang in Mad Max, but the lead, the head of the gang in Weird Science is actually the guy from the Road Warrior that rides around with the mohawk with the blonde guy on the back of his bike. So, yes. Toe Cutter? No, Toe Cutter's from the first one. That's from oh. actually Mad Max. Gotcha. Um, no, the, uh, the Road Warrior is the second movie. Right. When they're going for the oil and yeah there's the character with the mohawk who has the blonde guy on the back of his oh, right. bike yeah mm -hmm. so the guy with the mohawk he is the head of the gang in weird science hmm. interesting yeah. very long fun fact <laughs> <laughs> it was not so fun i i didn't find this movie to be um particularly engaging uh yeah that's a popcorn movie it's not it's not the departed, you know. Listen, a, a popcorn movie is an hour and twenty minutes. This was like fucking Titanic. It was like two hours and five minutes long. It, it was, it was, a, it was a grind to get. You're just it. he he just. So here's fun fact for all of you listeners. <laughs> oh fuck! So oh boy, here it comes. every Saturday when I have already written out the movie and I'm ready to roll on the podcast, I work until two. I always say to him, watch the movie before I get home so that you're ready to go whenever everyone's good. And that way we can get the podcast done and we're done. We don't have to spend all night doing it. And he goes, mm. okay. And every Saturday when I'm driving home, he's just starting the movie. Well, so what happens is he's basically trying to rush through the movie to get to the podcast because he waited until the absolute last second to watch it. Every single That's time. not true. Like mm -hmm. the uh, podcasting boss that I am, oh, today God. not only did I write out the fun facts and the intro for uh, this movie, I also wrote the entire script for next week's movie, The Departed. So yeah, he that's cheated. Why I was he cheated. He used a website. He didn't write it out himself. He didn't watch the movie. He just wrote it <laughs> out from a website. Me. He told me. 
Yeah, That's because you've been you've been calling my scripts moronic dribble. So I, I figured those words never passed my lips. I just said they were garbage. <laughs> I believe that you said um, you were rewriting the script as we were recording, so you wouldn't sound like I quote a moron. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> call him as I see him. Welcome to the bazaar. They are looking for the missing piece, but decide to eat something while looking. Fridge eats some cake and explodes. He responds, making a huge fuss. A young NPC approaches them to follow them, and a vulture that Van Pelt has sent out to look for them sees them and flies off to report back to the villain. The young NPC leads them to a basket. He says what they seek is inside. They open the basket, and there's a black mamba inside. They think it's a staring contest, and Bethany says she's great at it, but the snake attacks her and then turns on Martha. Spencer grabs it, and Fridge defangs it. Bethany finds a small package at the bottom of the basket, and inside is an elfin statue, and it says, when you see me, begin the climb. They start to leave the bazaar when the gang reappears. Duroc kicks some serious ass before Ven Pelt arrives. He's cornered them, but a sudden smoke bomb gives him cover to get away. Somebody grabs him and tells him to come with them. It's Nick Jonas playing Alex. So, uh, Pat, cake has never been quite so deadly. <laughs> no, no, it hasn't. And I never would have thought that he was going to explode. It was a weakness, <laughs> but I did not think exploding was the result of that weakness. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I liked the, I liked when they're talking about, okay, so we need someone to, to stare with the snake and, you know, <laughs> someone, it's a stare contest and I'm so good at it or whatever fucking Jack Black says. <laughs> oh, I knew it too because- I'm kind of amazing at it. I'm or kind whatever. of amazing, exactly. <laughs> Oh, I mean, so honestly, bad. Jack Black steals a lot of the scenes. Just oh, really, absolutely. really funny. Absolutely. Yeah. Without Jack Black, I'm having trouble in this movie. I thought that he was just amazing. He just did such a great job pre pretending to be a woman. Yeah. Mm. Trapped yeah. in a man's body. That's why I thought the line, oh, my God, this thing is crazy, was so <laughs> funny. Yeah. <clears throat> it's good I stuff. I like Jack Black and everything. I loved him in um, High Fidelity. I thought he was great in that. And Jane is tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, School of Rock. He's just, he's awesome. He's uh, great he's on also, social media. He was also in a remake of King Kong, and he was very good in that. Gulliver's yeah. Travels. I loved him in that. Yeah, he's awesome. He's, a, he's just a good actor. Yeah. Yeah. All uh, right, so Alex takes him down into the tunnels below the bazaar. He reveals that he's the pilot, Seaplane, and is also a person that is stuck in the game. Spencer remembers that there was one character you couldn't choose when you started playing, and it was the pilot. They sidestep a bunch of booby traps and end up at Alex's house in the jungle. They realize that the missing piece that they, looking, they were looking for was Alex, not a part of the map. Now together, they can go save Jumanji and go home. They go to the transportation shed, which is the next level, and find it guarded by soldiers. The plan is that Martha will distract the guards, but she's uncomfortable with it. Bethany decides to teach her how to do it. While they're waiting for her to reach the guards, Spencer realizes that Alex is a actually Alex Reek, the boy that disappeared 20 years ago. But that's going to have to wait because Martha is approaching the guards. Her flirting is really terrible and worth a good laugh before she actually kicks a lot of butt, and that's pretty good. Gang gets inside the transportation shed, and Alex is having a crisis of faith. He's afraid to die. They pep talk him, and he comes around to fly the helicopter for them. The drip bike gang is on their way. And, I, you know, 20 years would be a long time to be stuck in a game, you know? I'm thinking. <clears throat> he thought it was two months, though. Yeah. Right. right. They, well, he said time is, is funny here, you know? Yeah. It's like a dream, now, I guess. My question is, the, the cabin or where Alex was staying, mm -hmm. I can't remember the name, but I want to think that that was Robin Williams' character in the original Jumanji, if anyone saw it. I wow. have never seen the original Jumanji. What? No, I haven't either. Really? Yeah, I've but seen I it. Thought, but I figured I'm only working as it would make sense because it already existed when Alex showed up. Right. And right. Since it was a first movie, some somebody who's quick with Google, uh, fastest fingers in the Northeast. Um, <laughs> Could probably find that out if it's a true fact or not. Good callback. I know. Um, yeah, again, this movie I found not only a little difficult to get all the way through, but I'm also finding it a little difficult to talk about because it just didn't have a lot of meat on the bones. It was just like, I don't know, man. Just was. <sighs> I, I know what you're saying because 
it it was somewhat engaging. I enjoyed watching the characters realize who they now were and their reactions. Um, when Bethany looked in the lake and screamed out loud, yes. I thought the funniest one of the funniest lines in the whole movie was, "Where's my phone?" Yeah. And if it hadn't come from that character, it wouldn't have been funny. But I know what you mean. It it wasn't like super engaging because there was a lot of there was a lot of character changing that went on. Yeah, everybody from the moment they were in their exact opposite uh, avatar. Everyone, st- things started to get deep uh, yeah. when the two girls are talking to each other about how one isn't um, letting people like her because, oh, that's not even the right way. Obviously, I'm stoned. Um, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Don't like, let Bethany- us a lifeline here. Okay, well, yeah. I will say Alan Parrish was Robin Williams. Uh, the Parrish Treehouse was built by Alan Parrish during his 26th year imprisonment yeah. in jumanji so yes okay, thank you very you much i pulled i pulled that one out of left field as redemption <laughs> <laughs> redemption uh, uh, but like i said this is one up oh, five 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 i see that number everywhere um but uh, again what it, it's five it's 555 and i see five 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 everywhere license plates in front of me i see it fucking i notice it every time it's on the i clock. swear to god if you play that number in the lottery and win i'm going to kill you <laughs> i see this fucking number everywhere um but again this is what i was afraid of this when i was watching the movie because there's certain movies you guys are like oh let's fucking review that movie and i'm just like it's not going to be a good it's not going to be a good movie to review them like it's just it, it's just not enough to talk about in a movie like this um like pat was like let's do groundhog's day and i was like i love the movie <laughs> but after the first scene it's going to be like and then bill murray wakes up and then it's like you can't do it you can't <laughs> no, do it, it. The redundancy would be too much. And after we got through the initial, everybody, you know, seeing their new avatar and being surprised that they were the opposite of who they were, it just is like, okay, like, I ain't going to break this one down now. It's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's angina. Angina is tough. I'm not expecting a high reward score here. <laughs> Dylan? Are we ready to move ahead? I hear dog I oh, yeah, 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 you do. Um, so the helicopter finally takes off, but the dirt bike gang has arrived and takes shots at them as they fly away. One bullet disables the system that allows Alex to pull them up in the air. They are in a ravine and a herd of albino rhino come rushing after them. Spencer climbs up on top of the helicopter and fixes the mechanism, but Fridge leans over and the jewel falls out of his backpack. They all go back to find the rhinos walking in a circle around it. Spencer throws Fridge down into the ravine to lure them away and grabs the jewel while Fridge gets trampled. When he responds, Spencer grabs him and pulls him back into the helicopter. While they're celebrating, Alex gets bit by a mosquito. Since it's his weakness, he falls to the ground and is about to die. Bethany starts giving him CPR and they realize one of her lines of her tattoo is fading. She's giving her him one of her lives. Alex hugs her when he revives and Bethany gets a chubby. I actually thought it was pretty funny that, um, what's his name? Um, Spencer. Spencer. Pushed. Uh, the fridge out of the helicopter because <laughs> I saw, I saw that coming when 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 he said he was so, said I'm sorry I'm like oh he's so going out that door hey kind of deserved it well he's he's been angry the whole time yeah but he also pushed pushed Spencer off a cliff just oh, because yeah. so yeah, absolutely you know you dropped the you dropped the stone this is your turn to make a sacrifice play. Yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed the scene simply because there was like a little payback. Yes, and um, a lot of it was just kind of kind of crazy that he he couldn't go up in the helicopter, and yet Spencer, who's terrified of everything, manages to climb on top of the helicopter and fix the DM thing in the nick of time. But like yeah. he said, is. Uh... He wasn't really a chicken shit until he realized he was on his last life. As long as he knew he had two lives, he was uh, willing to take chances he normally wouldn't feel comfortable taking. Now, That's right. Uh, okay, that makes sense. A helicopter's lift comes from the propellers. So when he turned this thing all the way on its side, not going to yeah, happen. I thought of that too, but <laughs> helicopters can roll. They can, can they? roll like a barrel roll. 
So it's not unbelievable that it could rotate to its side. And I will bring up um, the Winter Soldier near the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Falcon's jumping out of the helicopter. Fury's mm-hmm. fi- flying it and tilts it sideways so he goes into the door. So it's yep. not it's not unknown. It's been known to happen. Is that a true fact? That helicopter can barrel roll? I think so. Um, in the movie, the remake of the movie Eighteen, <laughs> there was a scene in that movie, not the series, the movie with Liam Neeson, where the helicopter did a barrel roll to avoid a missile strike. Can a helicopter do a barrel roll? According to the Guardian, helicopters can do a barrel roll and can loop the loop, both of which involve momentarily flying upside down. From my British <laughs> confidant. <laughs> I'm so glad we could hear that. I am too. Okay, let's keep going. Bethany and Alex have a little heart to heart while Spencer and Martha realize they like one another and share a really bad kiss. Oh, that was So awesome. I'd like to mention that Martha is played by the fantastic Karen Gillan, who I've not even mentioned once, but she's awesome. I've loved her and everything she's done. Isn't she's she a- Nebula? Yep, that's Nebula, and I love her, and I've loved her since Doctor Who. So just me- wanted to make sure I said her name because I was like, wow, I never ever said her name in this entire thing, and that's rude. What's so, Nebula? From a character the Avengers. from the Avengers. And oh, the Guardians okay. of the Galaxy. Remember the blue girl with the bald head? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's her. Interesting. Okay. Yep, that's her. It's the name that caught my eye first. Mm. Yes. So, uh, Fridge has found the Jaguar and interrupts them, and they begin to walk to the statue, though Van Pelt knows they're there. They find the path the game wants them to follow, but Spencer sees the elephant and remembers that they're supposed to begin the climb when he sees the elephant. He starts climbing the trees and is frightened by a squirrel and falls. Uh-huh. eats his face, and he responds. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> After a talk from the fridge, the group decides they're all going to travel up different paths while Martha takes care of the now-arriving bike gang. Spencer gets his hand on a bike and is racing towards the statue while Bethany is attacked by a jaguar, just to have it back off when Van Pelt approaches. An elephant charges Fridge, but he stops it. Everyone arrives at the statue to find Van Pelt holding Bethany hostage. Fridge appears on the elephant, and it scares the jaguars off. Using the distraction, Bethany bites Van Pelt, and he and Alex start fighting. The jewel gets flung up towards the statue while Spencer begins to climb it. Martha promises him she will get him the jewel, but it's in the middle of a field full of snakes. She reaches it just as Van Pelt is right there. She sees Spencer is almost at the top of the jaguar, so she stomps on a snake and it kills her. She responds near Spencer and he reaches out to take the stone from her, placing it in its proper place. They all yell out Jumanji and the curse is lifted. Nigel appears and sends them all home. And when they get back, Alice is not with them. They walk down the street and Freak House looks normal and decorated for Christmas. A minivan arrives and inside is an adult Alex with his family. He was returned to 1996 when the game sent him home. Back at school, Spencer reconnects with Martha and kisses her right before the gang hears the drums again. They get the Jumanji game and smash it out by the dumpsters before it can claim anybody else. With the bowling ball. With the bowling ball. I know on it. <laughs> so there we go. That's our that's our movie. Oh, boy. I'm packing the end there. Jesus. What's wrong with you tonight? What's he going on? He doesn't like the movie. He's having issues. I just, but, I, I, I just, it was like last week we did the heat and it was very funny. So we were able to, uh, quote the movie all the way through it. This movie just didn't have any memorable lines. It didn't have any memorable scenes. It didn't have a strong plot. It didn't have strong characters. It's just hard to talk about. It's, uh, it's not the first movie we've done like this. Pick it up from, uh, from, uh, putting that, the, the, I don't know, the elephant charging. Pat. Okay. I thought it was great that when when uh, Frigid stopped and the thing just stopped in its tracks. I didn't see that coming. I honestly didn't. Um, no, I thought he was going to get run over, honestly. Ab- absolutely. And then he made the correlation, uh, the elephant and the mouse. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of cute. Hmm. Uh, I guess being a zoologist means he can... Talk to the animal. Yeah, it seemed like he had kind of like a uh, like a a magical an power, an affinity or magic power with the animals in Jumanji. So honestly, when I saw the elephant, because elephants are usually good guys in movies like this, I kind of figured that the elephant was going to be his partner in crime to get him through this section of the movie. So I wasn't and, surprised. And it was it was beneficial because when the jaguars attacked, he pretty much laid waste to them with that elephant. He yeah, took two, two of them. out. 
He took out two and the other three hauled ass. They want to know piece of that elephant. That's right. Yeah. That's and that's right. when you get the wonderful line, zoology, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the bad guy, the bad guy was like a completely undeveloped character. Like, I don't even know what I would say about him. I mean, there, was- there wasn't enough of him in the movie to really have a developed character. No, he's all, a cardboard cutout for sure. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, all you knew that he was evil, just plain right. evil. There was nothing right. good about him. There was nothing sane about him. And even at the very end, when they beat the game and they replaced the jewel into the eye of the Jaguar, he literally turns into the creatures that he was controlling. Right. Yes. So because there was that, nothing left of him, all he right, was exactly. was those. He was one of those NMCs. NPC. NPC. Yeah, that's how much I gained. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the scene where the Rock is riding the dirt bike up the fucking the face of the Jaguar. I can only imagine. I'm watching this scene. I'm watching this scene, and I'm like, he's getting to a certain point, but once he gets to that neck. And it's like practically a straight climb. I was wondering, with the 20-year difference between Alex being in the game and the rest of the gang, how was he going to get reintroduced back into society? When they first showed the freak house all decked out and ready for Christmas, my very first thought was Alex was home as a kid and everything was honky-dory. No. Yeah, I they, they wouldn't have been able to paint that house in t- two hours. Yeah, no, I, I knew right away what had happened. You know, he went back as if no time had passed in 1996. Yeah, I so, didn't pick up on that until I saw the Metallica t-shirt. Yeah, no, I, I said to Delyn, I said, you know, she had come home while I was watching it at the end. And I'd seen this movie once before a while back. And I said, oh, he's going to be all grown up and, you know, like no time had passed. And sure enough, that's what happened. Well, what's good was is his language was still the same. He was still stoked to see them. Uh, right. Yes, he was. <laughs> also, I'd like to know what happened with the magazines. I don't think they finished pulling all the, the staples. Did they go back on Saturday and do it? Oh, I know. They just get away with it? It's okay? They didn't do it? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, that is really from left field. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, like, I... I just can't imagine that when they edited this movie down, they thought that two hours was the right amount of time for this movie. I will agree with that. I think that they probably could have shaved some stuff off here and there and made it a little shorter. Yeah, I have to agree with that too, because the entire scene of Bethany trying to show Martha how to flirt, (sighs) that scene was just way too long, way too long. There were I mean, it just seemed to go on and on and on. And it's like, the the one thing I liked about the characters was how uncomfortable they were in the avatars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got you to admit, the line that Kevin Hart delivered, uh, what was it? Let me see. I'm missing the top two feet of my body. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. That was a pretty good line. Yeah, I didn't laugh. <laughs> I didn't laugh. I'll tell you, there was, I maybe laughed maybe two or three times. I thought it was funny when uh, The Rock was running with Kevin Hart on his back. I laughed out loud in that scene. And, you know, a couple of Jack Black's lines made me laugh, but it just wasn't chock full of laughs. Like last week watching The Heat, I was laughing out loud throughout most of that movie. You know, five pound bag of flour with a hole cut in it. There were a ton of great lines. This one was just very flat. It was just a well, flat movie. You're dealing with two different delivery methods. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Melissa McCarthy, who in any Melissa role McCarthy. I've seen her in, just delivers a, a, a comedy line better than any one person in this movie. Yes. So, yeah. You, you, and the writing was, the writing, in, and then now mind you, I've never seen the movie, but I did listen to the podcast. And the writing for her character was almost like it was for her and the way she can deliver the character. Absolutely. Mm. And also, I think you need to keep in mind that this movie was made for kids. Absolutely. Oh, oh yeah, This movie's maybe. made for kids. You know what? That's. I think that is a very, very insightful thought you just had. Because, first of all, I hate kids' movies. Fucking hate them. Second of all... Shocking. 
I didn't I didn't pick up on that till you just said that. That's probably why I did not find this movie entertaining. Even though like uh Jungle uh Cruise, what's it called with the rock? Jungle, Jungle Cruise. Cruise. Yeah, yeah, Jungle Cruise. I thought that was entertaining. I think that's a kids movie. It is. But it's I a Disney know, movie. Yeah, if I went back and watched it again, I don't know if I would really enjoy it. But I mean, you if know, you watch the original Jumanji, the one with um Robin Williams, it's a kids movie. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if I would absolutely. like that going back and revisiting it now. Yeah, I you think, know what? I forgot but, about that too. That it was it was a kids movie. I mean, everything about this movie is is aimed towards the kids. Um, the the nerdy gamer uh, now is in a big beefy buff body, and he's it's so impressed. I mean, he checks out his arms. And he says, "My God, look how big that is!" Uh, the the nerd kisses the girl at the end of the movie. Oh. And all of a sudden now he's fucking Bogart. He's fucking giving her like the movie kiss with a hand behind the neck. After we saw this clumsy kiss between them the first time. Oh, you don't think that kid didn't go home and watch videos about how to kiss on YouTube? Please. He had all weekend to think about that. <laughs> that first that first kiss when they were in the game was so comical. I, I mean. I and just, he knew it was terrible. And he went home and spent the entire weekend practicing on a cantaloupe. No question. <laughs> uh, on a cantaloupe and an apple pie, if you get that Ew. reference. Okay, Stifler. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. Let's just fucking end this because I've got about fucking nine hours of editing to try and make this thing remotely <laughs> listenable. Okay. Uh, Pat. What's your rewatch score for this green jewel of a movie, Jumanji? Welcome to the jungle. Nice reference to the green jewel, dumbass. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I would I would give it a three. I've really? watched it. I've watched it a couple times today because I wanted to see the way I enjoyed the way the characters were struggling to adapt to their avatars. Okay. So, Pat gives this a three. Dylan, why don't you tell us what your rewatch score is for this movie? Uh, I'm going to give it a 2.5. And I'm going to give it a 2.5 because I do appreciate it. I think it was cute and funny. It is a kid's movie, which isn't normally my jam. But I had, I had a couple good laughs. And there's a couple of uh, little hidden jokes in there that are for the adults that end up going to this movie with their kids. Um the uh, villain is very two-dimensional and, and pretty boring. There isn't much going on there at all. Well, you didn't um, want to scare the kids. Yeah, I, I'm sure they didn't, but I would have liked even just a little backstory of some sort that made him a little less cardboard. Um, but I, I thought it was, it's cute. 2.5. All right. And uh, shit, you know. I remembered loving this movie the first time I saw it. I thought it was really funny. And I don't you know if told the, me it was. Yeah, I don't know if the problem was that I watched um Central Intelligence between this watch and my last watch and I was like, "Oh man, you know, Kevin Hart and The Rock, they're they're fucking magic together and yeah. uh, and I was remembering this better than it was uh the 2 plus hour runtime was fucking absolutely brutal. Uh there were not enough laughs. The plot was ridiculously simple. <laughs> um, it just, there just wasn't enough here for an adult to watch for two fucking hours straight. So I'm going to give it two rewatches just because, you know, I do like Kevin Hart. I do like the rock. I mean, they can't do wrong on my eyes. They were fine. And I'm pretty much just giving this two rewatches because Jack Black was fucking amazing for two hours straight. And for that reason, it gets two. So with Pat's three, Dylan's 2.5 and my 2.0, we are going to give this 2.75 rewatches. I don't know, man, if you haven't seen it, don't, don't go see it unless you have kids. And if you have kids, fuck, go see it. Probably like it. Uh, <laughs> all right so uh, so why like always i love watching these movies with you delin from different rooms which we did return to this week and i felt more comfortable with that i enjoyed it a lot more <laughs> uh pat uh 
man, you were like a fucking hand grenade on this fucking episode between unplugging your microphone and shutting down the entire podcast for about 15 minutes and uh, using my birth name six times. <clears throat> that was fun. Uh, but like always, fun having you on board. Uh, <laughs> I strive to do better. I would like to thank the listeners for stopping by and listening to the podcast. I hope this one doesn't derail you from the podcast. Uh, we will be back next week where we will be discussing The Departed with Mickey. Um, you can help the podcast out, of course, by giving us a good review. If you have any ideas for movies you'd like to hear us do, of course, you can leave comments. And uh, until next week, I just have one question for you. Hey, did you ever see that movie? See you later. You are just in a weird mood today. It's just oh, like yeah. everything stinks.